Hello. Welcome to Let's Catch Up. I apologize. I know I took a week off. I apologize if that has somehow crumbled your trust in me because of my lack of consistency, but it's a one-woman show around here. And at the beginning of last week, I was just not feeling it, just being honest. I didn't know what to talk about besides Gladys Knight and Patti LaBelle's verses. And first of all, have those gotten better? Yes, definitely. I think so. And I probably could have done half an hour on them, um, but nothing else really felt like it was happening. And then, what's what's the phrase people say? Make plans and God laughs. Oh, God do be laughing. He said, LOL, Megan, here. So now, I've got too much to discuss in a week, but I will certainly do my best. From Chrissy Teigen accidentally re- revealing the sex of their baby on Instagram, at least she didn't start a wildfire when she did it though, to Jerry from Cheer being arrested by the FBI, Cardi B filing for divorce from Offset, and Chris Evans accidentally posting a picture of his Captain America, I mean the journey that I was taken on. Um, so we're gonna get into a little bit here and there. I also watched Paris Hilton's documentary because I work for y'all, okay? I live to serve. (laughs) I also watched a bunch of new stuff on Netflix in an upsetting way. I, like, taste-tested, you know, see what was out there, some good, some bad. I think that's kind of nice because then I don't feel like a crazy person who just watches everything available to me, but I do watch the American Love Island, so maybe I am crazy and have bad taste, but whatever. I saw the clips of that Brad and Jen table read for fast times at Richmond high is that what it's called i i don't believe that i can break it down any further than like instagram already has so i'm not going to talk about that but like i'm very happy that it happened because it gave us something to look at and it also gave us like morgan freeman and julia roberts being like kind of starstruck which i was here for but the internet has truly beaten that dead horse so um oh and i mean you know how this episode is going to start it's going to be me discussing the emmys and that it quite possibly was the happiest I've felt all year. (laughs) So there's that. I'm also going to talk about a documentary I watched at the very end of this episode that surely some of you will not um, appreciate me discussing on this pop culture podcast, but I have a segment of this podcast talked about what we're watching, and I have a thing that I want us all to watch. So with all of that being said, happy to be back, happy to have you all back. Let's catch up. Okay, let's kick it off. The 72nd annual Primetime Emmy Awards were this past weekend, Sunday evening, starting so late on the East Coast, um, in LA, mostly virtual, a couple in-person appearances. Let's break it down. So we opened with Jimmy delivering, like, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, for clarification, Jimmy Kimmel, um, delivering like a very standard monologue and then cutting to old audience clips of celebrities laughing. I think most people knew that they were not actually there, but there was like a reveal. He was talking to an empty room. I, I did not blame them. I think that it would have been like weird to just pipe in clapping noise they did for a couple people that like walked out but I think it would have been weird to do it during Jimmy's joke so it was funny for them to like cut to celebrities laughing or cut to celebrities that he was talking about and then they were like no one's here we just have cardboard cutouts of famous people and then they like cut to these cardboard cutouts and Jason Bateman was like actually there so they did like a bit because he was there in person and then he left and then they got the show rolling 
um, and Jennifer Aniston walked out to um, announce the first award. And I was like, oh, okay, so people are going to be there like in person, which was also funny because like she posted a picture, Tracy Ellis Ross posted a picture of them like getting ready at home. Like Jennifer Aniston posted like a getting ready with my other. And so all these media outlets were like loving Jen's Emmy look. And then it turns out that she was like actually getting ready, getting ready. And she was going to the award show. But so she comes out and she announces the nominees for best actress in a comedy uh, series. And she almost started a small fire. Never thought that I'd see Jen have to aggressively use a fire extinguisher, but that was kind of thrilling. Um, And then if I thought that was thrilling, the best moment perhaps of my entire year happened when Catherine O'Hara won her freaking Emmy. Yes! Uh, From Let's Catch Up to God's Ears. Finally, okay? So they cut to this cutie little party the Schitt's Creek crew is having outdoors with their masks socially distanced. And I also think that they are in Canada, which like literally the other day Canada had like zero COVID deaths. So they can you know, get away with like all gathering. Turns out a lot of other insecure had a gathering. Uh, Watchmen had a gathering, like a lot of people insecure was outside. They were literally at the SoFi stadium. Uh, but Schitt's Creek was like very cute because they were all, you know, masked up. Um, oh, I was just so happy for them. So then we like roll right off the top with Schitt's Creek four for four best actress in a comedy series um, best actor in a comedy series, supporting actor, supporting actress, Catherine, Eugene, Dan, Annie Murphy. I started to get really anxious that Annie Murphy was not going to win and I was going to get very upset for her that she was the only one that didn't. And then Dan and some other people started to win for writing and directing comedy series. Now, Dan stood up and he was like, the internet is going to turn on me. And, um, I did think that that was funny, but I also understood because like, one or two years ago, whenever Marvelous Mrs. Maisel was like sweeping everything, I was getting annoyed. But now I understand what it must have been like for all the people that are obsessed with that show, like because it was exhilarating for me to watch them sweep. But I need to say something because I feel like there is this like fundamental, I don't want to say fundamental lack of understanding because that sounds ridiculous. And I'm not a TV critic or someone with deep amount of knowledge. However, I think that it's very clear that the reason that Schitt's Creek won is because they have not won before. This was their last chance, their last season. They should have been nominated in prior years and were not. They should have won in prior years and did not, especially season five, I think, because that was like when things were popular because of Netflix. Like that's the reality, right? Is that Netflix kind of shot them into the stratosphere. So like season five definitely could have garnered them some nominations and or wins and it didn't. And as a result, they all won for, quote, season six. But, like, we know that that's not what it is. It's for the entire body of work. It's for all six seasons. I understand that that's not how the Emmys work. I understand that if you don't like the show or if you've, you've never seen it, like, maybe this doesn't make sense to you. But unlike the Grammys, unlike the Oscars, unlike these things, these bodies of work that exist in, like, one moment of time, television does this. The Emmys do this where, like... You exist, you know, on a, like, I feel like this is the kind of thing that'll probably happen to Blackish, right? Anthony Anderson and Tracy Ellis Ross are nominated every single year and they never win. I would bet a lot of money that their final season nominated, they will both win. I really would. 
Because the reality is the Emmys, like plenty of other things, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. So like you did not properly recognize these people and now it's going away. And so you have to recognize them. I don't know that they all deserved Emmys for season six, but they all deserved Emmys for like periodic work throughout it. I mean, Catherine O'Hara, I just really was so happy. And I just wanted to say that because I feel like people had like some criticism on Twitter. And again, like I'm not in that world but I do know that that's kind of the mindset because unlike like I said I I think that all award shows kind of do that I think that like the VMAs have done that I think the Grammys have done that like people don't get awarded always in the most timely or appropriate manner and so I think the Oscars have done it like Leo won his Oscar for The Revenant like it was a great performance but the reality was he probably should have won it for other things and he didn't and so like you run out of time and then it becomes abundantly clear that like this person should have won an award by now and so you need to give it to them it I think it's political to some extent but I don't know it was exhilarating I just it was really really fun to watch people that you love in a show that you want love clean house and then the nice thing is they'll never do it again so all the people that are angry can get over it insecure can do it next year I love insecure I really do and I want I want Issa to win she's going to have more chances to win Catherine O'Hara might not that's all I'm saying she's just gonna go do like sweet Canadian work okay anyway so now that I've spent a large chunk of time like berating everyone for getting mad at at um, the Schitt's Creek fam uh there was like a funny Barry Russia USPS bit that I'm confident confused a lot of people um let's see so we've got a Schitt's Creek sweep and then you get into limited series awards which I feel like have gotten a little a little bit better over the last few years with all the streaming services and maybe it's just me actually watching them now um, things like Watchmen, Little Fires Everywhere, Normal People, Unorthodox, Unbelievable. Unbelievable feels like it came out years ago, but it, it was part of this. Um, so then you start running through Best Actor, Best Actress, um, Best Limited Series, all those things. Um, Randall Park did a bit with an alpaca and the alpaca tried to eat part of his suit jacket. So like that was probably my favorite part. Um, but a lot of good mo- moments, nonetheless. Regina King won for Watchmen. Always a Regina King stan. Uh, she truly is king. Um, David Spade pretended to be Joe Exotic, which did make me laugh out loud. Um, Uzo Aduba won for Supporting Actress in a Limited Series. The other thing about Limited Series is because they are like such I feel like they're such deep swaths of famous people they'll run through like the people nominated and it's always like best supporting actor was like three men from Watchmen actress was like three women from Mrs. America so that's always funny to me but uh Uzo Aduba won and yelled mom I won which is the most relatable thing that's ever happened on the Emmys and then at the end when she thought they'd cut away she was like mommy um she genuinely seemed surprised which always love that um there was a really lovely moment when tyler perry won the governor's award which i was not even aware of it being a thing maybe i just haven't paid attention in prior years i don't know but i'm 100 percent guilty of writing tyler perry off sometimes because i just think of him like cranking out Medea movies and i'm like beat the dead horse sir 
But then I exhale and I remember the content that he's provided for black people and the hundreds of black people that he's employed and making Diary of Matt Black Woman, let's be honest, and creating so much content that honestly, if you can't find one thing that he's produced to enjoy, then that's on you. But he told like a beautiful story about his grandmother and a quilt. And I'll post the video of the speech in the show notes because it was really um, beautiful. And like, I do think his like studio and the story behind the studio and everything that he's done there is actually really fantastic. And he does have like an incredible story. And he's also just like a huge man. I always forget. He like walks out and I'm like, oh my God, he's like six five. Um, but I did enjoy that. So I'll put that in the in the notes I'll tell you what I did not care about or did not need to be told over and over again it was that the Emmys were being delivered in some Kia oh you know what else I'm gonna post a video of uh Rami Youssef's tweet about what happens if you don't win the Emmy and I'm also gonna see if I can post the video from Kendrick Sampson um the insecure one too these people in like hazmat suits that looked like tuxedos were holding the Emmys and um, the one that was at Rami's house, like, walked away. And he took a video of them, like, walking away and said, like, when you don't win the Emmy. So I'll see if I can add that in because that's hilarious. The one of Issa Rae, the one of the Insecure cast, Issa just yells, do you want some food? As they're walking away, <laughs> which is incredible. But anyway, I don't care about them being delivered in a Kia. I know that Kia is a sponsor. I'm sure that they paid a lot of money to like make this work, but they just kept being like, they're being delivered in a Kia. Like the only time I've ever cared about a Kia is when Blake Griffin jumped over it. Like, please. Um, But the looks we were served from the in life, uh, in real life presenters. um, Yas, very into it. Tracy Ellis Ross, always Zendaya, unsurprising twice. Yara killing us just so blessed to exist here at the same time as them Regina King in that blue dress like sweet lord in heaven we're really grateful really so happy for Zendaya winning really so happy for her winning in two great looks um, she is the youngest woman to she's the youngest woman to win best actress in a drama series and only the second black woman to do so I mean, what a career this nugget has. I'm just, I just love her so much. Do you think Zac Efron texted her? Do you think he's happy? Do you think Val texted her? Guys, I just need to know. Anyway, um, Anthony Anderson also did a very funny bit with Jimmy about Black Lives Matter. So like, that's worth watching. But I just love TV so much, if you guys didn't already know. (laughs) Um, If you didn't know this, like almost 40, lol, what, episodes into this podcast, then there's just so much fantastic TV out there. And because there's so much fantastic TV, if you love TV and are weird about it, you're like overwhelmed because there's so much that you haven't watched like Fargo and you can't get into Handmaid's Tale because it scares you a little bit. But you're like also very excited to see Succession and Schitt's Creek and Insecure, even if they're not being recognized as much as they should, they're still getting recognition like um the emmys are are a happy place for you you know um but i thought the show itself actually ended up being great like i said there were people in person people all over zoom seemed like most everyone's internet connection was working um i will be honest one of the creators of unbelievable was on her phone a lot which really bummed me out like almost every time they cut back to them she was on her phone and i really loved that show and i thought it was so powerful and so meaningful and you know that this podcast is like merit weaver fan club central but that woman was just like texting or tweeting something and i just felt like someone's like great aunt joyce and i wanted to yell like can you put your phone down and enjoy this moment but 
other than that, I loved every bit, to be honest, which, you know, which isn't always the case with award shows, right? But I felt like the breaking up, like some people in real life, some people, and then they had like essential workers and teachers present, which I loved. The UPS man had like a mask that one of his customers made him. It was really sweet, but I felt like breaking it up was really helpful, despite the fact that like it was still far too long. It always is. But it didn't feel like as much of a drag as it has in past years. Maybe it's also because, you know, any moment of joy is something we can take. I'm sure that there will be people who, you know, write the, we don't need this right now. But I think we do. I think very similar to like the NBA coming back. It's just like Twitter on Sunday night was the best it's been all year. It was multiple sports going on. It was an award show. And it was just like kind of normal again. Like people were not yelling at each other. People were not like... I mean, people were dragging each other, but it was in like a much lighter way than like when we're discussing, you know, the Supreme Court. <laughs> so all in all, I thought it was great. I don't think you need to watch it. If you didn't watch it, I feel like I just did a decent rundown. The people you expected to win won. And the reality is the Emmys are only the beginning. The real award season comes at the beginning of next year. There's no telling what that's going to look like. They're definitely going to try and put people in seats. And just have them all spread out. And it's going to look so weird. But yeah. We're happy to see rich people win things. Right? Right off the top here. My question. May be a tad inappropriate. But I just want to know. Is Chris Evans a genius? (laughs) Obviously not, but I'm sure most of you are aware that on Chris Evans' Instagram story, he shared a video of his family's brother playing Heads Up. No, I will not make a joke about that. And I didn't even see it, but apparently when the video ended on his story, it went away and it popped, his recent photos popped up, and apparently one was of his Captain America. It was of the other side of America's ass. It was the other Mr. C. Rogers, I'm sorry. I was like trying to come up with something clever. Allegedly his genitals. Apologies. The internet lost it. Okay. And the best part was that like, I feel like this happens like semi often. I feel like less recently, but like, it's always a big deal. But there were all these women on Twitter being like, we will not share this because he's a good man. And I'm like, yes, sis, I tend to agree. But like, we don't actually know that because we don't know him personally. But I do think he's a good man. But anyway, because this man has been heading up this company called a starting point that has politicians do little blurbs about their beliefs and opinions on one website. So it's not being filtered through the lens of a media company, which I also understand. But it's a real like rose colored glasses view of politicians that they're going to like explain their beliefs honestly and without any sort and like clearly and I think that generally they do not do that because they know it's better if people don't actually understand what they're voting for but anyway point is he's trying to create a more informed electorate it's a nice thought I can appreciate it whatever he's been giving a lot of interviews for the website though like he's on CNN he's on MSNBC like he's doing the whole nine and um he's he paused those for a couple of days post picture gate and then a few days later he tweeted now that I have your attention vote November 3rd and I was like you bet I will but it really was a great pivot 
I can't imagine any of us are like shocked or overwhelmed by celebrities doing this accidentally or otherwise anymore. I personally have never looked at a celeb's nudes because I don't want to. <laughs> like it's never like I love Chris Evans. And as soon as I realized that like I had not seen the original thing and that like there were not any picture because I genuinely wanted to see what happened, but I did not want to see his body. And as soon as I realized that, like, I was not going to capture, like, the video of it, I was like, okay. And I moved on um, because it's an invasion. Like, even if it's an accident that he posts, like, it's an invasion of his privacy. I'm sure that you can find it. I'm sure that you can dig around on the internet. But, like, it is inappropriate. <laughs> I know I keep laughing, but it, I just feel like my personality is that of someone who, like, when celeb nudes are released, everyone would be like, oh, Megan, see them. <laughs> No, I I don't want that in my search history either. Like I I love a polished photo of Chris Evans with like a popped peacoat collar, you know? That's enough for me, but so is voting, you know? That's we're going to talk more about voting later. So, shout out to Chris Evans for really doing the best the best pivot I've seen from nudes, I think maybe ever. Okay, my second question, I had zero intention of discussing explicit photos this much in any episode when I started this podcast, so I hate this. But my second question is, y'all, what happened with Jerry? Whoa, this is a no bueno story regarding sexual exploitation and underage boys and the overall nefarious environment that is Snapchat. Aye, aye, aye. So our previously beloved Jerry from Cheer, um hands down fan favorite also fun fact cheer premiered earlier this year in case you want to bang your head against something impeachment was also this year <laughs> i don't, we're like going to be permanently scarred from this year i don't care what anyone says like the long-lasting emotional and psychological impacts of this year will like follow us like they will be talking about us when we're in our 60s and they're gonna be like oh that's the generation that was like trapped in their homes in their 20s and just watched a bunch of reality tv anyway so jerry on cheer the story of losing his mother struggling to make matt but like being the ultimate team player and matt talk extraordinaire resonated with the nation he was everywhere in a matter of minutes and then in the past week it's all imploded Allegations of solicitation of underage boys began to be thrown around, starting with uh, a set of twins and their mother. And um, this is like literally the letters the FBI have gotten involved, which naturally made me more anxious. So he was arrested. He's currently in jail in Chicago as his bond hearing was postponed. And he apparently has ad admitted to receiving images from minors as well as paying a 17-year-old boy for nude photos. Uh, speechless. The case, um, it, like I said, started with a set of twin boys that alleged that the pattern of abuse began when they were 13 and Jerry was 19, which would have been two years ago. The mom, like, gave an interview basically saying there were, like, videos and voice messages and stuff, and she made them delete them, but she's like, now I regret it, and I'm like, I, I obviously, like, believe everyone, I'm not, you know, not questioning, but I'm just like, any sort of evidence, like, it's a good idea to never just be like, delete it, delete, I don't know what was going on there, that's weird. It's obviously all a mess. There's like multiple boys. There's multiple allegations. And if he's convicted, he would face 15 to 30 years in a federal prison.
what? All around awful. And in the midst of it, Monica is on Dancing with the Stars, which is very awkward because she's doing a lot of press. But it's very, very sad, you guys. And, you know, a good reminder not to get into hero worship, I guess. Okay, what are we watching, listening, paying attention to this week? Here is your, here's the money for this podcast right here. New on Netflix. I'm about to roll it all out. Y'all, I don't even know how I watched all this stuff, to be completely honest. It does help that we're in a pandemic and like still shouldn't be going out if we don't have to, but like, wow, wow, wow. All right, so let's get started. The Duchess on Netflix. New comedy. I was very excited about this because I enjoy Catherine Ryan's stand-up, but I would definitely use that as your barometer. If you've tried her stand-up and you don't like it, I would not get into this show. And if you've like seen her stand-up on Netflix, Catherine Ryan, again, her name, Blonde, I would like dip your toe in and try that first because the the show, The Duchess, is loosely based on her life. She's an American woman who lives in England now with her daughter who she had with a British guy. That's the character as well. So she's incredibly crass, but also there's like a very sweet mother-daughter relationship. So like I said, this is not for everyone. I think it's very funny, but like um, I would I would make sure that you like her because if you don't think that she's funny and you think that she is like, um, dare I say, disgusting, then it won't be for you <laughs> right out of the gate. Um, okay, next up, reality TV stylings. Um, next up, My Distant Cousin. Technically, we are family. I'm not even joking. I'd have to get into Ancestry.com to really like link us together, but I'm being dead serious. Titus Burgess. He is hosting a reality singing competition entitled Sing On. I love competitions. I mean, the challenge is truly my everything. It is my greatest personality trait and my greatest joy. So I was like, let me get into this. Um, this feels very similar to like a f game show on Fox. And the contestants had to sing right after Titus at the beginning, which felt unfair because he is a star of stage and screen. The difference in this show, which I am kind of obsessed with, and I've always thought about this, is that there's an analyzer as the contestants sing. So they all sing different parts of the same song, and then they're rated by the percentage of accurate notes, which is fascinating. But it does also limit you to like not do fun and creative things you know when you like are watching like the voice or something like that they all like modulate and change these songs and you very specifically can't in this competition also the very first song was moves like jagger which is not an easy song to sing so if you like a singing competition you'd probably enjoy this i was like a little riveted by it but i'm not invested because you can watch the analyzer move at the bottom so you can see how well people are doing and and that was like interesting to me but I'm not particularly invested. I, I don't want to watch and watch and watch them. I didn't even finish the first episode, so I couldn't even tell you who won. I got a pretty good idea. Also, they can vote for each other. So, like, you can do that thing that always bothers me about competitions, which is you can vote for the person that you think is your most, like, competition, for lack of a better word. So you can vote for the person that did the best to then eliminate them from the competition. Or, like, second best because the best is – and that always bothers me because, like, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, Right. <laughs> okay oh next up more reality i watched that get organized with the home edit show y'all it's just not for me okay i'm just gonna go ahead and tell you right now they went they organized chloe kardashian's garage and there's no telling how much they were paid to put her excess kylie lip kits in a new storage shelf 
I love things being organized and I would love for Reese Witherspoon to pay me to go through her stuff, but I don't have a whole business based on it. I, I understand the business model, even though I could not possibly start this business, but I don't personally find it to be entertaining TV. Like it's not like HGTV where they're taking an old creepy house and redoing it, or they're fixing up your existing house. They're just like going into people's homes and putting things in like an order that makes sense. Which I get if you're a celeb. I mean, I, I don't actually get it, but I understand the premise of you just have so much money and you just don't want to do these things by yourself. So you just do it. But I, I don't know. It's just, it's not for me, I guess. But I love things being put in order. I also found the women kind of annoying. One of them talks so much. And I think I find her annoying because she reminds me of myself. Also, Chloe like loves organizing. Like that was actually a plot point on Keeping Up at one point. And they even talk about that. Like they were like, you could take our jobs. You could do this yourself. And I was like, then why doesn't she? But have money. We'll hire someone to organize. They also have like multiple offices. Y'all, it's just crazy. Okay. Anyway, moving on to another kind of documentary reality show. I watched Chef's Table uh, Barbecue. <laughs> I'm a southerner. I love barbecue, like love the meat, but we know I also love the sides. It's great. Anyway, if you like the normal Chef's Table, you will probably enjoy this because it is just as fascinating. And these people are just so talented and they work so hard. And I love a good a good uh, story about someone we should pay more attention to. The first episode is kind of sad, but it's also like really beautiful, you know, and you're just looking at all that barbecue. And if you watch all that barbecue and you want to watch more, there's another one. There's the American Barbecue Showdown on Netflix. So if you want to see ribs cooked, but with a little more competition, this should do the trick for you. This is um, fine. Like they're both fine. You know, they both scratch like a certain itch. Like if you want cooking, if you want reality, if you want barbecue, you know what I mean? Like, but it was exciting that there was two new things, you know, isn't it crazy that they like got into this barbecue swing all at once. Anyway, moving on to something a bit out of my depth, but I love Sarah Paulson and people had been talking. So I figured I'd get into it. It's ratchet which I keep thinking it's ratchet, but it's ratchet. It is based on the nurse from One Flies Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And to be honest, you know, it's rude of you to assume that I'm not familiar with One Flies Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I'm not. Mm. Anyway, Sarah Paulson plays a nurse at a psychiatric hospital in the 1940s, obviously created by Ryan Murphy because there's nothing Ryan loves more than getting a bunch of attractive white people together and saying, act creepy. Uh, the pilot was a solid hour, not a TV hour, a full-fledged Netflix hour. So just know that. Also, know it's a little gory off the top. I've been watching Criminal Minds, so like takes a bit to phase me at this rate. But if you're sensitive to gore, like skip through. Um, I will say one of, again, like not in my depth, but figured I'd try it. One of Sarah Paulson's first lines was to a gas station attendant and she just says, you should bathe more often. Your fingernails are filthy. And I was like, yeah, I'll probably enjoy this more than Hollywood. You know, no offense. If you enjoyed Hollywood, it was just too much like overly dramatic talk about making it in the pictures. You know, it was like everyone sounded like Moira Rose. Ugh, I just can't get over her. Everyone. So my my honest opinion about Ratchet, I um, which I try and keep it pretty honest here. I feel like I don't have to tell you guys that, but I have not a clue what's happening. It 
it's definitely riveting, but like, I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what's going to happen next. I find it a bit disconcerting. I know other people find that exhilarating. Tells you a lot about the way that I like to live my life, but like, I could not tell you the plot. I could not tell you where it's going. I honestly couldn't even tell you what I like and dislike about it, but I'm weirdly like concerned. It's very long though. It has a lot of familiar faces. I don't know. I think it's going to get spicy, but it's like, will I make it to the end? Unclear. We'll see. Well, I may not make it to the end because I'd be spending my time watching Julie and the Phantoms. <laughs> Y'all, <laughs> this is a show. I can't believe I'm about to say this. This is a show about a teenage girl <laughs> who loses her mom. That's not funny, obviously. And three ghosts of teenage. <laughs> there are three ghosts and they are teenagers who were in a rock band boy group situation and they died after they ate bad hot dogs and now they help her play music again. <laughs> It's based on a Brazilian novel. It sounds completely outrageous. I can't believe I even got through that first sentence. I, I was like, okay, let me try this because people keep talking about it. In the first episode, I was like, no, why is this on my television? But then I tried the second because that's how you truly know, right? Like if the first episode, like you can't judge a show by its pilot. We all watch The Office. We all know. So I go into the second episode and I was like, wait, this is adorable. So now I'm sticking with it. Netflix really does do a good job on like a family sitcom cutesy situation. Like I know I've talked about family reunion here before. Ashley Garcia on Netflix is cute too. Like sometimes you just need like a Disney Channel level sitcom to feel a little joy. But I do think these are better than what's on Disney Channel now. Like we had it good. I don't know what's going on now. But anyway guys I kind of like it and I feel like I'm probably gonna watch it there's a much higher probability of me finishing this it's also like only seven episodes of me finishing this show than there is of me fi finishing 25 hours of ratchet just kidding I don't know how long it is but dear god so long okay what else are we watching this week that isn't on Netflix <laughs> um the Paris Hilton documentary interesting a bit slow I'll be honest it's almost two hours it's on YouTube I am not a Paris Hilton girl I didn't watch The Simple Life I've never been super obsessed with her I haven't really even thought much of her in the past decade like I know that people have like watched her get engaged a couple times and like I haven't paid that much attention so I was kind of surprised by like how much attention this documentary was getting but in some ways it was kind of fascinating so I'll give you the rundown in case you're not willing to invest as much time into it like I did. I don't know that I would suggest for you to. There's some highlights. I'll, I'll give you some bullet points and then you can decide if you want to invest your time in this or if you want to invest it in Ratchet. Um, we get into the DJ career. <laughs> so at one point she's about to leave for a trip and she does this thing that I so desperately want to do one day, which is look in a bag of outlet converters and say, which ones will I need for this trip? Like, that's, that's really what I want. Um, there is this, like, very weird vibe that she is, like, still at the same place she was a decade ago. Like, she's still a huge deal and, like, she's still peaking, which is weird. Like, they have Kimberly in the documentary as, like, a friend and former assistant. And they're kind of trying to act like Kimberly is, like to Paris Hilton as Cassie was to Jessica Simpson but that's not the case like 
Kimberly has very much overtaken Paris in terms of like the zeitgeist and relevance and things like that. So I I don't know. She has fans like flying around the world to meet her and she seems grateful. But like, I'm not sure I understand why people are this deeply obsessed with her. But honestly, maybe this will be me in 15 years with Chrissy Teigen. I don't know. She has a lot more product lines than I knew and launches. Her social media strategist does not seem great. He he is, I don't like him. Um, she's still human. So like, obviously, that's like so much of the discussion, right? But like, at one point, she's at this event and like, these two fans that flew there to meet her, like, her social media strategist walks away. And I thought that she was talking to like two of her assistants or something about like being tired and not being able to get up in the morning. And then I realized it was these two fans. And I was like, uh, this is a wee bit dark. So I I, I don't know about all that. Um, but okay, so let's get into a little bit more. There's a lot of discussion about her being the original influencer, which is all well and good. Um, but like I said, they keep acting like she's at the same level that she was in 2004. And I do not think she is like, they are talking about how she took selfies with like, like all this stuff. It's fine, whatever. So then we get into kind of the dark part where she discusses this reoccurring nightmare she has recurring reoccurring. I don't know. But a nightmare that she has, that's actually quite frightening. And you start to get into the root of it throughout the documentary, but right off the bat, it's like very upsetting. Um, so you, a couple things to touch on, the money of it all. Kathy Hilton starts the doc acting like they were broke and had to work for every cent. She says that the first five Hilton children received millions of dollars and the last three did not. And I tried to do some research and figure out exactly what we were looking at because there's definitely some trust there or something like there's no world where like you as the grandson of the man who created the Hilton dynasty don't get anything right. And if that's the case that you didn't get a cent, because as I was doing my research, they did like donate a huge chunk of their money. If you didn't get a cent, that's all well and good. But like you definitely still get the opportunities and the connections and all of that. But I digress. She was just acting like they literally didn't. And I'm just like, okay, well, your mother taught you had you guys all acting as children. Never forget that Kathy Hilton's sisters are Kim and Kyle Richards stars of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Kyle was in the documentary for a second and she's like the first one to be like oh they definitely put too much pressure on how what Paris looked like as a child and I was like oh boy spicy yeah I don't know about Kathy but the the documentary is not about Kathy <laughs> and it's not about the fact that she's not even that old but she looks like she's older because she's had work done and it has aged herself but they uh, discussed Paris's sex tape a little bit that was released without her consent. And then they show the clips of the comedians that made fun of her and the guy that she was dating at the time talking about it on TV. And Paris looks dead in the camera and she says, if this happened right now, it would be a completely different story. And she's correct. She was 18. Then we discuss Paris's sex tape, which isn't great. Um, and the fact that it was released without her consent and they cut to the comedians who made fun of her and the guys she was dating talking about it on TV. And Paris said, if this happened now, it would be a completely different story. And she is correct. She was 18, y'all, when her boyfriend recorded her. 18 years old and that boy was like giving interviews. Could you imagine? 
if the Today Show had on some boy who released a sex tape of some teenager right now. I don't I don't know who's famous. Addison Addison Ray hanging out with the Kardashians all the time without her consent. And they just want him to talk about it. We'd burn it all down. Absolutely not. It was just very sad to watch her discuss it, obviously, because I mean, she was 18 when it happened. And obviously she, it was she was upset then and she was she's upset now. Um, at one point, there was a friendly reminder that children in New York City grow up so much faster than anyone else. She was like talking about being 15. And she just said, I think I just became addicted to the nightlife. Just like talking about high school. I was like, Oh, God. So then we start to get into a little bit of why she's having these nightmares. She talks about running away from these emotional growth schools that her parents kept sending her to while she was in high school, which sounds awful. And then um, later in the documentary, they talk about this specific one and she ends up getting some girls together who had been there and like this school put her in solitary confinement, a school. Not a prison, a school that her parents sent her to to improve her behavior. And like she had never talked about it with them. They were like physically abusive there. I don't know. It was just like all really sad. And obviously she'd not talked to her parents about it. And she's like, what, in her late 30s? Early, late 30s, I guess. Okay. So then we get into the point that you've probably seen people, heard people talk about where Paris is playing. Is that what you say when it's like DJing, performing? at, quote, the most prestigious festival, Tomorrowland. Uh, those are her words, not mine. And her and her boyfriend start to get into it. And I start getting major agita because she's really upset. And she keeps saying, this is Tomorrowland. And she's like talking about how it's a big deal for her, which obviously I can respect. And if you're someone's partner and significant other, you would assume that they could also respect that this is a big deal. Now is not time to fight. You're making me upset. You're making me anxious. And he won't leave her alone. And finally, she's like, can we just cut his bracelets? Can we cut his bracelets? So that he can't gain access. And they finally, like, remove him from the premises. And after the fact, she's like, that's the meanest thing you can do to a person. And I was just like, okay, I don't know. They had, were they were fighting, like, a little physically and, like, otherwise not okay. But if cutting his bracelets, like, does it, then then that, you know, go for it, I guess. Um, it was just stressful. There was also a thing where like, she sat down and she was like, every time I get a new computer, I or every, <laughs> every time I get a new boyfriend, I get a new computer. And then they cut to like a stack of MacBooks because she says that exes have broken into her computers and then one through one. So every time she gets a new one, a new boyfriend, she just gets a new computer so that they won't go through it. And I was like, healthy, like this you know, that that's cool. The root of a lot of stuff, clearly. So I don't know if DJing makes her happy. I'm all for it. It does seem like at many points her and her team don't really know how computers work. But that's really none of my business. She talks to Nikki some. They talk about, you know, Nikki telling on her a lot as kids and whether or not Paris wants kids. And I don't know, Paris is really really desperate to make like a billion dollars or something like she keeps talking about that that's what she really wants and I don't know near the end of the documentary the producer was asking her like if she was going to keep up with this brand and she was like you'll age out of this and Paris just like shook her head and it was kind of sad because it was like she really doesn't think that she's ever going to age out of what she's behaving like so like she fully anticipates making a million dollars at every gig for the next 10 years I guess and like making it to billionaire status like I'm not here to knock a woman for working hard by any means like go off 
But I do think a reality check is helpful, and I'm not sure that her family is giving it to her. So I don't know. I also have a lot of questions about Nikki and, like, where she lives and this husband because they've got some money, and I need to know more about it. All in all, if you were a Paris girl, I would watch this. If you liked The Simple Life, watch it. Whatever they, like, talk about her voice changing and all that stuff. But, um... Yeah, it was, it's long. It's a little bit slow at points too. I don't know. It, it was not the best documentary I've ever watched. Let's just put it that way. Speaking of documentaries, last thing we are watching this week uh, was not a Paris documentary. It was honestly quite a bit more of a bummer. But if there's anything I've learned as an adult, it's that you cannot just ignore things because they bum you out. A lot of people are willing to just brush things off because they aren't particularly concerned and they just don't want to be bummed and that's your prerogative. But as a person who loves research and Googling and reading Wikipedia pages of entire movie casts after watching movies, there's no reason I shouldn't have the same attitude regarding my belief systems in this country, right? Okay, voter suppression. Hello. Yeah, I told you it's going to be a bummer. Um, the documentary is on Amazon. It's called All In, colon, The Fight for Democracy. Um, I mean, there's, that's why I'll never work in politics, right? I'm like making fun of this like dramatic title, but like I said, it's on Amazon prime. It is a documentary. Um, I don't know if it's produced by Stacey Abrams or by like fair fight. That's her like, you know, organization in Georgia, but she is like a central figure in this. Um, and because she's been fighting for like voters rights and against voter suppression since she was literally like 19 so the essence of this documentary is not political but I mean I know people will make it that way so it's fine I grew up personally in a household where I was reminded constantly that you vote I was never told who to vote for that's my decision but I was told to vote um so I value that. <laughs> um, right off the top, Ann Coulter says something about liter literacy tests. And like, if you took history classes, you know that that's racist. So I was unsure if I'd make it through this documentary without feeling deep amounts of rage, but I did. Um, I've also always thought that automatic voter registration seemed like such a common sense idea. And I'm not sure why it's the law of the land. Just kidding. I know why it's not, but just seems so easy. Um, I would recommend watching this documentary if you've ever um, wondered if you've ever had questions or if you've just never really thought about voter suppression, suppression, because like either you've never voted or you've never like waited too long outside in a polling place or had difficulty voting, or if, um, you just like really don't care about voting. Like if you're like, I do it sometimes I don't do it. Other times it doesn't matter. Like I would really recommend that you watch this. If a few months ago you vowed more to learn about the black experience in America, this is a really good thing to watch. Difficulty voting is a part of that. And it's been a part of the history of being black in America. And this documentary really takes us through that. So again, it's not political. It is historical. Um, if you're not from Georgia, like the name Stacey Abrams is probably less triggering for you. If you are from Georgia and you didn't vote for her, you should still watch this. I don't know if you're capable of that. I don't know what your like belief systems are about people that you don't vote for, but she was a valedictorian of her high school, you know, smart enough for me. 
Um, also, I love her parents. They're in like a little bit at the beginning and her dad is just like such a Southern old black man. He kills me. But I also love the story of her burning the Georgia state flag because it has a Confederate um, flag like as a part of it because she's not like some crazy rebel or like she's not someone that they would all be like rioter because she's such a rule follower and she's still so type A. She got a burn permit for it. <laughs> it's such a type a protest i'm just like so obsessed with it she's like they knew i was gonna do it i like she she's involved it's literally what i would do i'm just so obsessed she's like i mean i'm not gonna get in trouble like i got a burn permit but you know people still like try and drag it through the mud and she's like i literally went through every appropriate course of action anyway the documentary as a whole is informational and infuriating that's also coming from someone who checks their voter registration status semi-often and checks like three times after mailing in absentee ballots to make sure that they've been received. So maybe I'm a bit paranoid, but I learned some things watching it. I really hope you will too, because I um, hope that this is a community, like this podcast of people that want everyone to have the same opportunity to vote, whether or not they're voting for the same people. Um, also, it's really none of your business if I weld up when they show John Lewis on Bloody Sunday, okay? Ooh, child another one we did it thanks for making it this far i greatly appreciate it i hope you um got something out of this you know if nothing else you don't have to watch the paris hilton documentary now because you know that she collects laptops simultaneously with men which honestly such a power move also zane and gigi had the baby how exciting um but yeah what a week i mean i have no idea what's gonna happen next week because truly when you think you know like i knew i was gonna talk about the emmys this week but i didn't know that i was gonna talk about a netflix reality star being arrested you know so like to take things as they come like Lori laughlin will when she gets to select which prison she goes to y'all Operation Varsity Blues, man. Truly the catalyst for this podcast. I know I've said it before, but <laughs> it's shameful what it is. Like, you shouldn't laugh, but I've laughed inappropriately a couple times during this podcast, so whatever. Might as well finish it out this way. Anyway, excited for some football. Yeah, <laughs> that's about it. Thanks for catching up. Stay safe.